Welcome into another episode of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney. All right, we're counting down to draft day. We're starting to kind of build up that momentum towards it. We're officially going to be doing a, a live Jaguars draft special on Channel 4 uh, on draft day, Thursday, April 27th from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We will be live on Channel 4 and then from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock we'll be live on the News for Jacks Plus app and newsforjacks.com as, as the draft kind of starts. So uh, a lot of fun stuff going on as, they, as we kind of start to build that momentum and get that energy rolling towards the yeah, draft. Yeah, you know, when the, when the Jags sent out the draft party information last week, it's kind of officially kicking it off. I mean, draft party is right around the corner. We're T-minus two weeks, under two weeks and counting for that. It's going to be an exciting time. And I know we've touched on it before, but it is going to be different. It's going to be a different draft. I mean, last two drafts. They picked one. They haven't had to wait long. You wait 15 minutes after that show starts, you know who you've got. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Trayvon Walker. Who's it going to be at number 24 this year? And, you know, every time it feels like every time Jacksonville has that latter half of the first round, it's just a, it's a pick that leaves a lot to be desired. I, I keep going back to Taven Bryan and, and that pick. And after that run to the AFC Championship. Well, it's because they haven't had, had one late since yeah. David Bryan. I mean, that's the last one. <laughs> they haven't line. had one since David Bryan. <laughs> hopefully a good 24th pick. But it's different, different this year. We'll, we'll keep our eyes on it. We'll talk more draft here in a second. Before we get to that, I want to talk to the one thing about the one thing in the offseason that starts before the draft, and that's voluntary workouts. So that's phase one of the NFL offseason program. For the Jaguars last year, it was Doug Peterson's first year with the team and they had almost 100% participation with every phase of the offseason. Yep. And I think that took a big step forward for them in helping to build the culture to what it was where like late in the season they never flinched because those guys had been together for so long, had seen the hard yep. work from one another that they had put in in the summer in the heat in Florida. Uh, you and know, we, we're, we've been out in that heat quite a bit and it, 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 it drained us pretty It's, it's draining, it's intense, it gets there. Um, so the one thing that I kind of want to see this year is if they can keep the number near that 100% mark, even though Doug Peterson's now going into year two, some of the guys don't necessarily feel the, the, the added pressure of needing to make a good impression on the new coach, right? <laughs> now, I, mean, I remember last year, it was during, uh, during workouts, mm -hmm. and Doug actually, he could have had him a little bit longer mm -hmm. than he did, and he gave him a for little a, bit of a break. For, for OTAs. Uh, mini A's, and mini camp, mini camp. camp. So yeah. I thought that was, you know, you and I talked about that specifically, and was that a good idea? Yeah. It turned out to be a darn good mm -hmm. idea, and I think you're going to see Jacksonville have a good representation at voluntary workouts, voluntary workouts. So, you know, with the, the NFLPA now, it's a little bit more, hey, th these are voluntary. You do not have to go, but coaches are try to maybe stress the involuntary portion as much as they can. But I thought it was good. I think Jacksonville players will respond. I think they're going to have a, a good attendance at that mm -hmm. camp. You want to keep that momentum going. It just feels different in town. It feels different with this team under Doug Peterson. It's like they want to be a part of that situation and, and going going forward. And you know, you've seen that with free agents, you know, even talking about, hey, I want to come play with Trevor in Jacksonville. Doug Peterson's got something going. So I think that conveys to that that uh, that attendance and those voluntary workouts. So keep in mind it's voluntary workouts, then it's organized team activities or OTAs, and then there's mini camp. Mini camp is mandatory. Uh, but last year, Doug Peterson didn't right. make it mandatory for his veterans. That was his choice. I think one thing that we now at least know about Doug Peterson with the way he kind of approaches these phases of the offseason is that maybe we can use 
his approach to how the team handles things to understand where he at least kind of views his team. Last year, he felt like they had worked so hard early right. on. He had seen enough, had that good feeling. I think he told us at one point uh, late in the year that he had a really good feeling about the team heading into that and that he thought that they had a, a real chance to make a playoff run. Didn't tell anyone that publicly. Um, of course, but you know, he, he, that was part of that, that influence to not have them involved in that. So we'll see, and I think we can also we can use that to gather some hints as to right. how he feels about the team. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And you know, last year we were talking about did Doug make the right call? This is a team that was terrible last year, yeah. three and fourteen. You got to set some culture, and you're giving guys time off. Right. During OTAs, it just didn't make sense to me, but he had a good vibe. He had a good read, and I'm sure the players appreciated that. And, again, it feels like a genuine type of locker room. Doug Peterson, after games last year, he's mm -hmm. hugging players and just that excitement. And being in the hallway after that win over the, the Houston, or excuse me, Tennessee, and that uh, to get into that game and then seeing Doug Peterson in the hallway with Trent Baalke after that Chargers win, yeah. it was just euphoric, and it – feels again those aren't going to happen every game but it's just that authenticity and I think with Doug Peterson what he brought is authenticity Urban Meyer was the antithesis of that he was not authentic he was a, a shyster a used car salesman and Doug Peterson <laughs> is authentic and I think you saw that starting last year in those OTAs and in, in the, the voluntary minicamp and, and this team kind of has been built in Doug's kind of personality image all these guys really do genuinely like each other we asked Trevor Lawrence about uh, voluntary workouts after he threw out the first pitch of the Jumbo Shrimp game. He mentioned that he was excited to get back out there and work with the guys, and that's really the first time that the team kind of gets yep. together again since the end of last season. So it'll be interesting to see just what sort of percentage they get. I think it'll be very high participation rate for this team, uh, just because especially with the, the expectations and the momentum they kind of have going, the, a lot of the leaders on this roster will be there and will be pushing you know, other guys. And if you're, up. you know, if you're not at the, you know, I'm not at the, the voluntary mini camps. I mean, you're sure Trevor's not going to be texting you. Hey bro, where you at? Yeah. You know, I think the players again, hold each other accountable. And you know, that locker room seems very, very tight knit, very strong. And again, Trevor Lawrence is at the front of that. And can you imagine if, if Calvin Ridley or somebody did not show up to that camp? Right. Hey bud, where you at? You know, and that's going to be a little bit more stern. You want your, your colleagues and your, your teammates to appreciate you and respect you. And again, I think that is what is different in this locker room than going back a few years to the Doug Maroon years. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit to the draft now. We've kind of been dedicating <laughs> some of our uh, some of our last few podcasts to the draft talk because that's the big thing right now. I mean, when you look at the Jaguars offseason, the biggest place for them to have a chance to improve is at that spot at 24 in the first round. Yep. Uh, and the one thing that we do know about the Jaguars is that there are holes on the roster and they need a, a little bit of a young influence. Right. And we have to wait to find out who they're going to get. In the years past, it always kind of come down to like one or two guys for the past few years because it was like, it is Trevor yeah. Lawrence or else they do something crazy and we say the Jaguars lost their minds. <laughs> or last year it was Trayvon Walker or pretty much Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal. Mm -hmm. uh, those were really the three guys. Kayvon Thibodeau was a guy I liked. So maybe three guys though that were probably closely grouped for that pick. So right. we only had to talk about like three of them. This year, we kinda gotta talk about a lot of guys because <laughs> you never know, you know, some guy could slip down and fall all the right. way to 24 and then the Jaguars are just sitting there like, okay, here we go. And, yep. And so we have to be prepared for that. There are a lot of different scenarios that could happen. Uh, a new mock draft came out from ESPN today. Mel Kuyper, who's been doing draft coverage for 
ever. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of, you know, the guy or one of the guys. Uh, today, his new mock draft that he came out with is a two-round mock draft. He had the Jaguars going in the first round. Lucas Van Ness, an Iowa defensive end uh, pass rusher. And I'll, let's talk about him before we kind of dive farther in to uh, dive to that second round pick. I like what Mel Kuyper did here. He bolsters the Jaguars right. defense in the first two rounds. So Lucas Van Ness, here's the interesting bit from him. Never started a game at Iowa. Zero. Because Iowa really preferences those older players and because he can't, uh, if you're not a senior, they try to let mm -hmm. those seniors get those starting reps. Lucas Van Ness played a ton, just never started a game. So physical freak, um, tested out of the world at the combine, young guy. Uh, so he kind of fits that mold of all the athletic traits to be successful, just right. needs more experience. Yeah, and again, that, that position is one that we talked about a little bit last week. Sure. You know, to me, it's it's tight end, cornerback, defensive line, pass rush help, something in some capacity, some interchangeable thing. So first round draft pick, you know, I, again, I'm not on board the offensive line help at number one like some people are. Again, maybe if, you know, the Skaronsky or, or Broderick Jones, somebody like that dropped sure. like we talked last week. But other than that, if those guys come off the board, I don't think offensive tackle – Offensive guard, anything like that, is where you go with that number one pick. There's three positions I said, premium positions, and defensive line would probably be right along cornerback with that massively premium position. And if you got get a guy like Van Ness, I mean, it, he's almost like a Trayvon Walker type. Ceiling's way up there. You, you know. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, Iowa guy. So I mean, you've got a you've got a guy who has a high ceiling, may take a year or two to develop, a la Trayvon Walker. Mm -hmm. But again, the upside, I think you you get more of a raw prospect in yeah. Lucas Van Ness than you do with like a a Brian Breesy kind of guy. Um, you know. You make this assumption in comparison all the time. We've talked about this even outside of work. But Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, there is a high ceiling on Aiden Hutchinson. But right. you kind of know where that, that ceiling ends. You know, he could be a 10-sack, every-other-year kind of guy. But Trayvon Walker, while a little bit more raw, a little yeah. bit more refinement needed in his game, could be that 14, 15-sack-a-year just guy who draws mm -hmm. those double teams all the time. So, again, you're like a Breesy Van Ness situation. Luke's Van Ness, obviously going to take some time to develop, going to probably need to add some explosiveness, some weight, some strength sure. to get in that rotation. But, again, you're playing playing for the future. I mean, Josh Allen, fifth-year option. Trayvon Walker still developing. So, pass rush, I don't know if I would go Lucas Van Ness with that number one pick, but it makes sense. No, I, I like the Van Ness pick. I think he has all the physical trades to – to be successful in the league, and he's the kind of guy, he's very similar. Not not as a similar kind of build to a Trayvon Walker, but his game as far as being a raw athletic power rusher, it fits. So I could 100% see this being the pick. I think that would bolster that pass rush. If Van Ness is there, I think he ha there has to be a conversation. That hadn't been a scenario that mm -hmm. we had discussed much because right. the expectation was that Lucas Van Ness would be gone higher in the draft than this point. So if if Mel Kuyper's heard enough that maybe he thinks that Lucas Van Ness slides a little bit, that could be good right. for the Jaguars. I like the pick, young guy, athletic marvel. Um, he'll walk in the, in the door looking like Thor. Uh, you know, and, and so it, it'll work out. I know you're a little upset with it because he passed on Michael Mayer to take He Lucas goes Van a couple Ness. picks after that, though, fellas. So he goes a couple picks after that to the Cowboys. So, no, hey, man, Michael Mayer's still, He's still, still in play. Still the first round. But I would not be opposed to a, a defensive line help yeah. because, again, to me, I think 
tight end, cornerback, defensive line, pass rusher, whatever. Those three positions are my number one, two, and three. Again, and, and whatever um, Yahtzee kind of thing you want to want to do that, I think you have to address one of those three positions with that number 24 pick. Van Ness, would he be a bad pick? I don't think so. No. I just think you're going to need a little bit of patience with him, like Trayvon sure. Walker. But well, I, I look back and, you know, I look back to early 2000s when Jacksonville was when it was in a situation under Tom Coffin. They're like, we want to have the best defensive line, absolutely best defensive line possible. What they do in back-to-back drafts? John Henderson, Marcus Stroud. Right. And you know what? That worked out worked pretty out. darn well. Yeah. That and worked it, out pretty darn well. And that's what you have to do. And the good thing is, if you draft an edge player like Lucas Van Ness at that first-round pick, Realistically, they come in this season and they're your third pass rusher. They're your third end. Um, if the Jaguars play more 4-3 and nickel the way they did last year, they had four down linemen, Van Ness is your third guy. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly putting the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like Trayvon walked in and he's a starter every down, yep. played like 70 to 80% of the snaps until he got hurt. I mean, he was the guy. Lucas Van Ness doesn't have that sort of weight put on him. He yeah. gets to come in. He's going to largely play probably pass rush downs kind of things when they slide Trayvon in, different, if, if that worked right. out that way. So he'd be in a little bit of a situation where he does have time to, to grow while still getting playing reps. And then the Jaguars would also have the, I guess, the decision to make with Josh Allen in right. the final year of his contract. Now, do you decide that Lucas Van Ness is the heir apparent? Or do you hand Josh Allen a big old extension and say, stay in Jacksonville and we've right. got our three, three-headed monster of pass rushers? Good problems to yeah, have because that way you at least have a solution in-house if you make that decision. Absolutely. All right. And, in, you know, building off of that, I mean, Dewan Smoot, I mean, again, Lucas Van Ness could yeah. be that. Look at how well Dewan Smoot played last year right. with situational. I mean, he was not a starter. He, I no. mean, he was a situational player and delivered. So, I mean, you look at Dewan Smoot, he's not re-signed, coming off that Achilles. You add a Lucas Van Ness in there, you're obviously expecting him to come in. And, I mean, he's not going to be a, a backup this year if you take him in the first round. He's going to play some, yeah. some instrumental minutes. So, you've got to look at him. Okay, if Dewan Smoot's not in the equation, I know you signed some guys in free agency, some stop gaps. But, again, if you get a Lucas Van Ness, if that's Mel Kuyper's pick for the Jaguars, I'm not horribly disappointed in that at all. I think it, it addresses more of a future need than a present one. But sure. I think he could come in and be a, that Dewan Smoot kind of rotational player as a rookie. And, again, you, you bring him along. And then 2024, when you're faced with the Josh Allen situation, you know, the Trayvon Walker's entering mm-hmm. his third year, I think you're uh, sitting in a little bit better position. If you do decide to let Josh Allen walk after sure. you know, a $100 million contract you're not matching, then I think a Lucas Van Ness squeezing in there. Yeah, that, it's possible there. And, I mean, we've talked about them not necessarily upgrading positions. If you say Lucas Van Ness is your Arden key, I don't think you're going to get very many arguments that Van Ness should right. be an upgrade over that that role in your yep. defense. All right, in the second round, Mel Kuyper has the Jaguars getting what I would say is a pretty good steal there uh, with Cam Smith. Cam mm-hmm. Smith, the cornerback from South Carolina. Right. Cam had been talked about at one point as maybe the top cornerback in this year's draft class. He definitely has the mentality that I like. You go watch the quote from after that Tennessee game. I'll let you look that one up on Twitter. Uh, But, look, Cam Smith can be a guy. And uh, the only question mark that they kind of had with him was maybe the athletic ability and where his ceiling was as a player. But good mentality, good cornerback. Um, And if you get him in the second round, I mean, we've talked about him, and mock drafts have had him even as a, a guy going to 24 for right. Jacksonville. So right. I know we've talked about him many times on the podcast, and I do think, again, that's a guy who fits in Jacksonville. Probably has a nickel corner this year. 
Um, but mm -hmm. again, I don't think that's a bad move either. No. I, I'm not opposed to either Mel Kuyper's picks. Again, I, I've seen mock drafts from the ESPN guys where you're talking offensive tackle. First round, not a fan of that. I'm more fan, tight end, you know my, my affinity for Michael Mayer. Yeah. I know you hate it. Uh, cornerback and also pass rush help, whether yeah. that comes in the form of a, of a tackle inside or an edge rusher, you've got to address those three positions. One of those positions has to be at number 24. Right, and I, I think I really like what Mel Kuyper did in round one and round two here. Yeah. I, I like the combination of Van Ness and, and Cam Smith uh, walking away in the first two rounds, mm -hmm. and then you say, okay, in the third round we double back, we can kind of reevaluate, hit that tight end position, maybe with a Sam Laporta kind of guy, go back to that Iowa well, or you start building that offensive line depth there. Because yep. there are some guards. There's a guy from TCU I really like. His name's escaping me at this very moment, but he should be around in the third round. Another guy that the um, that best player been... of the Jaguars rookie class last year, third round pick, Luke Fortner. Again, there are guys in there that can come in and plug right. and plug and play kind of guys. If you're getting a guard in the third round, mm -hmm. that's the expectation. You're going to come in and compete for that spot. I mean, Luke Fortner was, I mean, he was an instant starter. He was an instant starter. It was never a conversation. Yeah, as a day I know, three pick. I know there have been reports that the Jaguars really like uh, McClendon Curtis, a, a guard tackle kind of guy out of Chattanooga. Um, interesting story. I actually covered McClendon Curtis <laughs> yes. in Chattanooga. I, I was at his signing day. Wow. He went to Chattanooga Central. He was a purple pounder, really nice kid, great family. And he had offers to go to bigger schools and decided he wanted to go to Chattanooga because he said he wanted to be able to like bring the hometown out to games and, nice. and kind of help build that program. So he would be, I've, I've seen him play for years. He's a good player. I think he could play fit definitely at guard or that right tackle spot, but the best thing is the versatility. If they could get him in the fifth or sixth round, you bring in a guy who can play both guard right. and tackle, that's perfect when yep. you start saying your game day activation because now he can fill both roles for you. Yep. And maybe down the line he becomes a starter. And they need a which swing is a, tackle. And, and they that's need the type that of thing they tackle. need. And again, I know they've got Josh Wells and free agency, but again, you, you've got to have draft and develop, draft and develop. You've got to. Trent Balky, Doug Peterson swear by it. That's the way to do it in the NFL. If you can get a guy like that, a mm -hmm. draft and develop, a swing tackle guy, I mean, Juwan Taylor, perfect example. You get him in the second round, you develop him. Would have been great to bring him back. But, yeah. again, that, that's how Jacksonville needs to survive, and that's what Trent Baalke said after the season. That's the blueprint for how an NFL team should be run. Draft and develop, draft and develop. It'll be interesting to see if those last year draft picks, the Chad Mumas, the Devin Lloyds, yeah. take that next development and, and take that next step. So, yeah, I'm, I'm McClendon Curtis, hey, good. Bring him in. Bring him in here and let him bring that swing tackle. Yeah, I, th I think he could definitely fill that role. Okay, one other late round guy that I want to talk about that he at least came for a visit, and I think it'd be fun to think about. Ty J Spears, running back from yeah, Tulane. Oh. I don't know if you have you seen you, any I, of his stuff. Talked, we've shown you him? talked about him a few weeks ago. Yeah, we talked five. about him a little yep. a few weeks ago. He came to a visit in Jacksonville, and you know the one of the things that we kind of talked about last week was like my hangup of. You want to put as many offensive weapons on the field with mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence and around him and say, you know what, we can rotate these guys in and out. One guy gets hurt, it's not a problem. We got another weapon to throw out there. But at the same time, you have to put big resources into building your offense. Mm -hmm. So a guy like Tajay Spears, he does have some red flags. He's not the biggest running back in the world. He's coming from a smaller school. He's not going to go early just because of positional value yep. as well. So you probably get him in the fourth or fifth round, similar to value to what you spent on Stoop Connor last year. But Tajay Spears is a much more dynamic player. I mean, that's a guy that you start talking about if you if something happened to Travis Etienne and you have to put Tajay out there, I mean, either one of them could go 90 yeah. like that. 
I mean, that would be fun. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, the Snoop Connor pick last year was a little bit of a surprise for me. And you know, maybe they saw the James Robinson transaction happening at some point. He was a J-Rob to me, that kind of guy where you, you didn't have that explosiveness. He was almost a, a, a almost a enhanced fullback kind of guy, a straight-ahead runner, and they need that. Obviously, Jack sure, needs yeah. that. There's fourth and one th- uh, situations where Which I think they're not running Johnson a jet sweep to Travis Etienne. So. I think De'Aaron Johnson will be able to do some of okay, that. Okay, yeah, him. the free agent the guy. The free agent guy the they Browns. brought in, yeah. I think so, he'll be able to fill a little bit of that but role. But, again, running back is a position in the draft. If you look at draft needs for the Jaguars, running back always pops up on there. Sure. Always pops up on there. And I know you've talked about the, the running backs. There's another running back you mentioned a few weeks ago as well. I, his name is slipping my mind right now. Um, I cannot remember his name, but you brought him up and – you were a fan of. Hey, I, 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 I like some of the running backs in this class. I think there are a few running backs that will be available late that would make sense. If they're interested in size experience, like I just think about Press Taylor and Doug Peterson's affinity for certain things, and I say, man, they get a guy like Ty J out there, and they're like, oh, we got him and Etienne? Man. The, the fun they could have designing yep. some of those plays. I mean, when you start thinking about some of the touches that they designed for Jamal Agnew, right. you just start throwing more players with those very niche but dynamic traits together, and you let Doug Peterson and Press Taylor go to the whiteboard and come up with something. Like a tight end package with Michael Mayer and Evan Ingram. That's, that's what you want to say. <laughs> that's what Doug, Doug Peterson yeah, might it, like that. It and makes you know sense. What? It, it makes sense. It does, it, it, it is a, he is a player that does make sense for the Jaguars. He's just not a player that I'm prepared for them to take in the At first 24. round. That's At so 24. That, that's, that's if they totally trade fair. back, if they trade back to even if they trade back to like that 31st mm-hmm. pick, like the last pick in the first round this year, because the Dolphins forfeited. I know there are 32 teams. I got you. But um, but if they traded back a little bit, even traded back to the top of the second round, just for whatever reason, some team wanted to move mm-hmm. up. The, and, the, and Michael Mayer's there then, then we can have this conversation. Getting I like him, on him board. there. Getting him on board. You can get him on board. I'm not getting on board at 24. It, I just can't do it there. In the second round, I could get on board. I'm not on board with any of the tight ends at 24, to be 100% honest with you. Dalton Kincaid, I like him as a player. Don't like him at 24. Right. Um, Darnell Washington, I have to, I keep trying to sell myself on this not, guy. Not at, at 24. Not at 24. Not at 24. In the second round, if they traded back and picked up an extra pick or something like that, I could 100% get on board with a tight end. And, and with the way sense. the draft it, is stacked, though, not at 24. Yeah, and, and you hit the nail on the head last week and talked about the tight end class and you know, you've got, you're going to have options in the third round yeah. for tight ends. So that, yeah. that totally makes sense. I don't know if you have a guy like Michael Mayer in the third round, but, you know, <laughs> I don't think Michael Mayer would be a bad bad pick at 24. Am I sold 100% on Michael Mayer? No, I, I think any of those three positions. But, again, to your point last week about the depth of tight end in this class, we've seen mm-hmm. it in recent years with receivers and, you know, guys dropping past that first and second round. You have good picks. I think tight end – is a position this year where you're going to be able to get a good tight end, Will Mallory, in the third round, right. the fourth round, and really have that Darnell Washington. He's not a first-round pick, but, I mean, he could be there in round two, round three to add that. So they will go tight end on first or second day. Yeah. At some point in the draft, they will go tight they end. They will go to tight they end. Will, they will have, they have to. Um, will it be one of these top guys? I'm not sure. I, would, I have to think that Doug Peterson's looking at Darnell Washington and has to be having just like <laughs> little sugar plums dancing in his head, thinking about the things he'd be able right. to do. Like, okay, we're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, have him block, block, block. And then this 270 guy, that pound guy that can run a 4-6 just takes off up the scene. And, ne- and the next thing you know, he's matched up on like a 5-10 slot corner. And they're yeah. like, 
Oh, well, throw it up, you know. Again, um, he's a Trayvon Walker type, though, yeah. where you're going to have to raw, raw as can be. It's going to take he, time. He is, man, he looks good, But he's good, a physical though. freak. He is a monster. And, and you know what? The one thing that I've, what reason I've tried to sell myself more on Darnell Washington is really his size because when I look at the Jaguars offense, and one of the things that we kind of talk about when we look at the wide receiver room or just the pass catchers room in general is it's almost like a basketball yep. team. Very small. And Quick it, guards. It's, it, they got, they got yep. a lot of guards. Yep. I mean, they might have like a one forward, but they don't have a center. Like, like who? If, if I'm looking at the Jaguars' pass catchers right now, the closest thing they have to a center is Seth Williams, who was on the practice squad yep. last year. I mean, he's a big guy who can go up and take it off the top shelf. But outside of that, there's no. I mean, Chris Manhurts was the guy. And no, no I mean, Marvin Jones was their top Marvin, shelf guy. Yeah, Marvin Jones, but yeah, from a tight I mean, end perspective, from a tight end perspective there's there. nobody. There's no. nobody there. So I mean, the, Luke Farrell, yeah. Evan Ingram's more of that converted receiver kind of hybrid role. I mean, there's just not right. that girth right Christian there. Christian Kirk's a slot. I mean, Calvin Ridley's got some size and plays the outside, but I still wouldn't say that he's a no. top shelf kind of player. And you need that center. You need yep. that post-up guy who can go up and take it off the top shelf in the kitchen kind of player. And I don't know who that 50-50 ball winner is on the roster right now. Darnell Washington at 6'7", 6'8", running right. that kind of speed, that kind of side. He's that kind of guy where you need, all right, well, nobody's open, toss it up. Right. Um, kind of player where you know at the very least with his kind of wingspan, more than likely the DB's not coming down with it either. It's either him or nobody. <laughs> so, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they approach that because I know that's something that the coaching staff has to be looking at. Right. Is, is, Got to. is where do you get that post kind of player from and whether they view maybe a, a Calvin Ridley as more of that than maybe the rest of us do. Yeah, he's only 6'1", though. But he he's is not, only He's not a big guy. They I mean, don't have you, that. You it's just, just, when I think of that, just that big, hulking, strong, white eye who's going to yeah. wrestle a ball down, I mean, DK Metcalf, yeah. kind of guy like that. I mean, well, he's one one yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I that's mean true. you, you might do better saying DeAndre Hopkins than DK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need a guy. To me, yeah. we, you beat this horse over and over and over. Where is that 6'4 alpha who's just going to wrestle that ball away and you throw that jump ball in the end zone, those corner fade in the end zone, he's going to be out jump out jumping a 6'2 corner. I mean, right. where is that guy? And he's not on the roster. Chris Manhurts was that pass, that big-bodied pass catcher. He's gone. You don't have that guy. Evan Ingram's more of a, a slight tight end. Yeah. Uh, you just don't have that guy. And, you know, I think Calvin Ridley, I think, will play like that. Sure. But you, you're just not going to have that. the measurables on no. those guys. And they need a guy. They need a, a Darnell Washington, just a monster. He'd be great. Second, third round. Yeah, if they, if they can get him late, that would be perfect. And the one thing to keep an eye on is in the draft with the wide receiver class, a lot of the wide receivers on the shorter side. Uh, one of the few, uh, probably the first tall receiver outside of Quentin Johnston, who's going to be the first receiver drafted more than, and probably the second receiver drafted. Uh, the only other one is like A.T. Perry, who could go in the second or all the way down in the fourth because he's got issues. Quentin Johnston could be a questionable kind of guy, but who knows? We, I think I, There are options on the table. This should be fun. We'll keep talking more about this in our next episode yep. of the News for Jacks podcast uh, as we kind of gear up for the draft. We'll start to fine-tune that list. We'll even do probably our own full-on mock draft for one of these episodes. Uh, take you all the way from one till the end of the first round. Maybe even do a couple more rounds for the Jaguars. But uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of coverage for you. Make sure you subscribe, follow along, and uh, you can find more of our coverage over on newsforjacks.com. But that'll do it for the episode, and we'll see you for next time.